Development Psychology Podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I want to return once again to our subject of integrity. And I would like to speak about the everyday integrity. How to be the warrior, Arjuna, of your mind's daily battlefield. The topic of integrity can have so many layers and be really vast in terms of different fields of focus and so today I want to speak on the topic where we mostly fall short in our everyday life living with integrity it's a bit like when we practice yoga or meditation or eating healthy plant-based and so on we get really motivated by the promise of a better life and the idea of ourselves living that way. So we can even go almost into a binging mode on any of these things. And then all of a sudden we step off the mat or the meditation cushion or we come home from the retreat and we just go back to what we always do. Forgetting that the real work actually starts here. Forgetting that, and I love using this analogy always, that it's very easy to be Buddha on a mountain and that it's when you come down from the mountain and you walk into the village that the real work starts. A bit like whoever it was who said so, supposedly Eckhart Tolle, if you think that you're enlightened, try spending a week with your family. The reason it becomes hard is the same reason that Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita is struggling. We are triggered by what happens around us. We are triggered by the things we can't potentially control but that we make mean something about ourselves. We could even make it very simple by saying that we are triggered by fear and desire. What I mean is that instead of seeing things clearly and acting from a place of wholeness, we don't act but we react and react to our own fear or our own desire. 
And so in that reaction in itself, since it comes as a response, we manipulate our behavior. Because these two drives, as in fear and desire, has, have manipulated our intentions. All of a sudden, it becomes far more difficult to just do for the sake of doing and not for an expected result, which would be one of the definitions, let's say, of karma, karma yoga. It becomes hard to stay righteous, to follow that intuitive signal, drive, push inside of us, of the spontaneous right action. There's too many fears and desires surrounding us, basically threats to our ego, let's say. So how do we take that equanimity, that state that we've cultivated on the cushion into our daily doings? Now the principles of Karma Yoga are taught to Arjuna, taught to us, in the Bhagavad Gita, where Lord Krishna helps the warrior Arjuna, who is in deep sorrow. He is in the state because he doubts his dharma, his duty, as a warrior in the battle that is about to happen. He must face his own family in war. And the night before, moments before actually, he breaks down in tears. And this is where Krishna then gives him the teaching of yoga. He reminds him of his dharma in life as a warrior. And he reminds him as well of the impermanence of the physical body. In order to help him see more clearly. So here we are taught that yoga from the perspective of the Bhagavad Gita, is skill in action. It means to develop our action, our skill of the action, non-attached to the outcome, so that the skill, so that the yoga, stands in itself as the action. Only then, is it truly powerful, non-dependent of external triggers, of external validation, whether positive or negative? This is such a powerful message because it can really apply to any part of life. It can be understood and approached from any perspective. In Anything that affects your life, personal relationships, success and failure, so relationship to money, to work, and of course to the universe at large. 
And maybe can you also see how this approach, how this definition of yoga is like many other martial arts actually that we have been gifted with from the old traditions. They are not about fighting or killing any more than yoga is about handstands or putting your foot behind the head. It is a meditation in movement, a commitment to the action, which means that it is a continuous training of the mind to be present and attentive. The mind has to stay equanimous in this moment so that nothing can disturb it. The outcome has no importance. You are simply here and you are simply now. Be here now, like Ramdas would say. Krishna tells Arjuna that victory and defeat are both the same. They're two sides of the same coin. That you don't go to war into the fight for victory or defeat. Act, don't reflect on the fruit of the act. Do it in a non-attached manner. Fight without desire. And he explains that the objection that now is coming from Arjuna of going to war against his family is not an objection about the war. Instead he says, your objection of the killing, of the fighting, is actually your fear of the fighting. You do not have a genuine objection to the fight due to that. If you abstain yourself from an evil action for fear, you have not really liberated yourself from evil. As long as we are motivated by fear or desire, we are incapable of a truly moral action. The only actions that are moral are those without motivation. If you are motivated to do good by fear, your good may by other circumstances be evil. As long as we have a motive, our actions are not free. Instead, they are reactions. Now, this text of the Bhagavad Gita has often been misinterpreted depending on a desire to imply, for instance, a glorification of war or killing. That is not what the message is. If you wish that your life 
would take a turn for clarity. You must begin with analyzing your actions because your actions are of course your behaviors that takes you in one direction or another. But the lack of clarity, the confusion that exists inside of us is never on the level of the physical. Your physical body is never confused. It, confusion itself is manifested on the level of the mind. The mind is a terrible master. So if we let a confused mind guide our physical body, it will lead to confused actions. Actions coming from a confused mind lack intention and direction. And this is, of course, how we end up feeling lost and wondering, really, what to do next. Where am I going? Who am I? What do I like in life? Can you see here how I relate this back to integrity in terms of understanding who you truly are and what your likes and dislikes are, for instance, what your preferences are? If you are so detached from who you truly are that you don't know this, it means that there's confusion, lack of clarity on the level of the mind. If there's confusion, lack of clarity on the level of the mind, it will manifest in your behavior, your actions. Now the promise of a skillful action, consciously performed, taken without fear or desire of an outcome but purely because it's the spontaneous right action would then seem like quite a good remedy for that confusion, for that feeling of being lost. So take any part of your life where you might currently feel lost, where you are heading professionally, finding a partner, deepening the relationships you've already got, just to name a few of the most common ones. If you could train yourself to act instead of reacting, reacting to fear or desire, so that you simply follow the right thing to do, what would you imagine that the result could be? This is how I want you to approach your everyday life from the moment you wake up in the morning until the moment you go to bed. What is my dharma? What is my duty? What does that imply in terms of action to take? 
And can I take those actions? Not because I desire to please others so that I feel more valued. Not because I fear to have to take myself out of a situation that feels uncomfortable. Not because I fear conflict. Not because I desire to be admired. All of a sudden, you become your own moral ground. And believe you me, when we start to look into those things, every action that we take, the intention that lies behind it, if it is driven by fear or desire, or if it is an action that we take purely out of love and compassion to the duty that we have accepted, whether this is on one level or the other. Take professional. Why have I chosen to do this every day of the most days of my month of my life in order to make a living? What's my intention behind it? What's the purpose of it? The duty that lies in the profession could be something very noble. There's an original intention when that profession came to your mind. A calling, maybe, who knows? Is there a way that you can conceive what you do in terms of profession as a duty for greater good somehow? What is the perspective that you have every single day when you do perform that work, that skill, that action. If you can come back to what is your dharma in this, your duty in this, and how what you do, the action, is completely interrelated to everything else, you might realize that there is much more depth to this job that you have, which will give you a new purpose, a new meaning in taking those actions on a daily basis. When you take a look at the role that you occupy, your duty as a spouse, as a son, daughter, sibling, friend, neighbor. And you take that action 
from you, the neighbor, without an intention of fear that the neighbor might think this or that, or desire that the neighbor should appreciate you, or give you back a favor the next time, and so on. What would be the actions that you take? And what do you think when you just take those actions for the pure love of developing your meditative state of mind to equanimity, so without expecting any result, how do you think that's going to be perceived by your neighbor? Probably quite well. You know, we all have a quite good ear to bullshit, as they say, which means that we all are sensitive to the attempts of manipulation from others, simply because we have, of course, been manipulated many times in our lives, when we were children, for instance, not in a horrible way, necessarily, but just to simplify the situation for the parent, let's say. So as adults, there are many moments where we sense that people's words or actions just don't sit right with us. We might not even know really why. We can just feel that it doesn't really feel pure and right. However, when there's a completely altruistic act of kindness towards us, we also recognize that. And it's so much more powerful. One of the exercises that I sometimes give to the people I work with is to start the work by simply noting down for yourself, and ideally this is to be done physically in a notebook with a pen, all the actions that you take in a day and note down if they are inspired because it is your preference in who you are and this is what feels best for you right now or if there is some kind of intention of fear or desire behind it. Remembering that pleasing other people can definitely be both fear and desire, right? So when I started speaking about integrity and that I have mentioned more than once that if you are not in a great place with your health, for instance, that it's a question of integrity, it also, of course, relates to this exercise. Because when you begin to note down your actions and what drives you in your actions, it is not only a question of choosing if you're having coffee in the morning or not. That one is exactly one of them as well, though. But it's also when you start to look into prioritizing things like sleep, eating the right things, eating healthy things, cooking your own food. And just basically taking the self-care actions to keep your body-mind in balance. So start looking at why 
you choose to be up until midnight? What is the intention behind? Is there fear or desire lingering? Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.